Hey, welcome. I'm Kate Apanui and this is Crave, the podcast for women who want to change the way they think, feel and act around food and lose weight for life. This is episode number 18 and I'm really, really happy you're here. Before we get too far into anything and before I start going on about whatever I'm going to go on about today, I wanted to let you know that in two weeks time, I have a program starting called Crave. There are three spots left in this program. It runs for 10 weeks and it is designed to help you change the way you think, feel and act around food. It is designed to help you if you have the desire to lose about five kilos in 10 weeks, which I think, I don't actually know how many pounds that is. I want to say it's close to 10 pounds. Um, so yeah, it's a really achievable way and a non-diet way to be able to lose weight. So if that sounds like you, you can head over to my website, www.kateupanui.com and you can sign up for that. That starts on May 2nd, 2022. I run Crave every term. So um, each school term, it runs for 10 weeks. I also have just launched my new program, which I'm very excited about for women who have been through weight loss surgery. So if that's you, if you've had a gastric bypass or a sleeve or anything like that, then I'm also starting a new program for you. It's much smaller. It's designed for five women and it runs for a longer period of time to give you more time to explore um, exactly what it is that got you to where you were and how to make this weight loss surgery stick because if you've been through weight loss surgery you will know that um, it's not a magic trick like yes the weight comes off dramatically very often for a lot of people but it doesn't take away that desire so if you're interested in that um, that program will be starting the 17th of May and again, you can head over to my website, www.kateupanui.com, and you can sign up for that. If you're kind of feeling um, unsure about these things, I always offer a free consult for people just to have a chat to me, like ask me questions, find out if what I'm offering is the right fit for you. I'd hate for you to sign up for something and be like, oh my God, this is not what I wanted at all. So I really like to make sure that, you know, if you've signed up for something that it's really right for you. I also work with women one-to-one -one, and so, you know, some women prefer just to be on their own and not in a group situation. So that's an option too. In this episode, let me get started and tell you what it is we're going to be talking about today. What we're going to talk about today is like how to learn how to stop desiring food. I know that's a bit of a mouthful really, isn't it? <laughs> because last week we talked about the over-desire for food. And what I wanted to talk about this week is how to learn something new. Because your brain learned how to over-desire food. And your brain can equally like relearn or learn something new. Wanting food when you're not hungry is a learned behavior. Wanting food when you're not hungry is a learned behavior and you can absolutely learn something else too. The thing is, you are not a robot. You're totally capable of change. Like you're not just, you know, set on one program and that's it forever. Your brain is plastic and, well, it's not plastic, but it is, it, it, it's able to shift and change itself. Like it's, it's malleable and you can learn something new. So, you know, like that desire to eat food when you're not hungry is a learned behavior. 
and we've learned it in all sorts of ways so there's little things you know like some people will say um you know it's the desire to eat a meal with their family even when they're not particularly hungry you know that is a learned behavior like oh I want to be eating with my family learned behavior is when you open a bag of chips while you're prepping dinner and you're just kind of eating it there's all this desire sitting here which is learned behavior and I want you to really get that you can learn something else too so I want you to think about like any new skill that you've learned before in your life like whether it be something recent that you've just learned you know in the last I don't know month or two or year or something that you've learned you know over your lifetime so um, like to give you an example of different things like a few well actually many years ago now I moved to France and I did not speak a word of French like bonjour was a stretch it was really like I really stumbled even over just saying hello to people um, so I didn't have a word of French when I got there and seven years later I came away from that country fluent in French it was such hard work it took me so long I think it probably took me longer than most people like I'm not a linguist but I learned it it was possible for my brain to learn something new I want you to think about a child who's learning to walk like They've never ever done that before. I want you to think about how much work goes into them learning that skill of walking, you know. First of all, they have to learn how to sit up and strengthen their back muscles and they have to learn how to, you know, like rock on their knees, you know, when they're crawling and then they have to pull themselves up on furniture. It is such hard work to learn something new. Think about like my son is learning to read at the moment. And well, I mean, he's seven now, so he's, I mean, he's definitely still learning, but I'm thinking about a year or so ago when he was coming home with books and it was really, really slow, hard going, you know, it was teaching him to identify words like at and the and I and you and me, him, them, all of those basic words that just come up all the time. And, you know, for his brain, every time he saw that word, it was like a stress and a pressure on his brain. But the more he practiced it, the better he got. And now, you know, like when he sees, he was, I was, you know, half asleep the other morning and he was lying in bed reading out the package of his Easter egg to me. And I was like, wow, you can actually read the word like processing and not intended as a toy and all sorts of things you know like it was really really cool so the point is is it's possible it's a hundred percent possible to teach your brain something new but I want you to keep in mind how hard it is to learn a new language or learn how to read or the thing that I'm trying to learn at the moment which is surfing honestly I feel like I've been trying to learn surfing since the day I met my husband who my husband's a really great surfer he's been surfing his whole life but when I try to surf I like to be fair to myself I haven't consistently been trying to learn to surf you know like some summers I don't do anything and um well probably a lot of summers I don't do anything and so really um yeah you know I'll go to the beach for a week and we'll be trying really hard and then I won't do it again for another couple of months so quite honestly when I try to surf, I feel like crying because I'm really quite bad at it. And I feel sometimes like, you know, when I fall off and I just stumble around in the surf, I think that like the people on the beach walking their dogs must be looking at me and shaking their heads and thinking, oh my gosh, that woman is just, 
you know, she it's humiliating. She's not making any headway. She should just get out of the water and quit while she's ahead. But at the same time, I don't care about those people. Like, you know, maybe they're not thinking that. Maybe they're standing on the beach thinking, wow, good on her, you know, off she goes. But honestly, I'm more dedicated to learning to surf than caring about someone who's walking their dog on the beach, whatever they think about me. Because I know, I know that it's possible for me to do it because I can see other people out there surfing and everyone else out there who's surfing seems to just pop up beautifully and effortlessly. They make it look graceful and blissful and I kind of look like I'm stuck in a washing machine, but I know when I see them doing it that it's possible and I want you to keep that in mind because there are people out there in the world who do not over-desire food. They can be eating their meal and they can put their fork down halfway through. They can see a chocolate bar at the supermarket and they just, it's like looking at bricks. They don't even see it. It's not, there's no desire there. The thing is to get good at something, like to get good at surfing, to get good at not desiring food, I have to be willing to suck at it first which is in total contradiction to the idea like anything worth doing is worth doing well. And, you know, I I think that's a really um, prevalent saying, like it's what we're told in school, like if it's worth doing, put your best effort in, like you don't want to screw this up. But what I like really take that to mean is if you want to learn to surf, if you want to learn to stop over-desiring food, if you want to learn a new language, You need to learn to do it well. And to do it well, you have to do it really badly at the start. So I sucked at speaking French. I sucked at reading when I was a kid. And at the moment, I suck at surfing. But at some point, some point, you know, like it just clicks. You know, when your kid starts to recognize, oh, that's at and that's that and that's I and you. You know, your brain and your body, you know, your brain and your eyes and everything starts flowing and working together and you go, oh, I've got it. It's that aha moment and you don't suck anymore. And this is 100% possible for um, like learning how to stop over-desiring food. At some point, you know, it might not happen straight away, but at some point, if you stick at it, your brain starts to learn something new around food. So if you feel like desire for food is something that will just never go away, let me tell you, it is just practice. Just like learning how to stand up on a surfboard or learning how to read, you can learn how to stop over-desiring food. I want you to really, really get that. I want you to think about something that you can't do yet, like a handstand or speak fluently in another language or juggle a football from like one foot to the other. I know when I watch that, like my son's into football and so, you know, I'm watching him try to juggle a football. I'm like, oh, that looks really easy. Give me a go. (laughs) It is not really easy at all. It is the same thing as learning to not desire food. So, If you can't do it yet, if your desire for food feels intense or feels overwhelming or feels like you are just holding back the tide, it doesn't mean that you're always going to feel this way. It just means that you haven't learned this skill yet. You haven't learned how to not desire food. And desiring food is just a learned behavior. So let's kind of think about it this way for a moment. When you were born... 
Like as a new little baby, you didn't come out of the womb wanting chocolate and cake and cream eggs. When you were a baby, you didn't have to hold yourself back at the supermarket, you know, like you weren't just like trying to avoid the the lolly aisle or the chocolate aisle or whatever. But over time, as you grew up, you started to learn about foods and you started to desire different foods. So here's the thing. I bet you don't have like the over desire for broccoli or the over desire for carrots or celery. Like if somebody says, oh, there's some celery in the fridge. You're not thinking, oh, I better not go and eat the celery. You're not trying to hold yourself back from getting up and getting the broccoli out of the fridge. We don't have a problem saying no to these foods. We don't have to hold ourselves back from carrots and tomatoes. The foods we typically over-desire are energy-dense. So what I mean when I say energy-dense are foods that are high in fat, high in sugar, high in salt. They're usually interesting to our brain in some way. They're usually like a particular type of crunchy or a softness that is really particular really good to us it's melty or it's brightly colored or it's chewy the thing is these foods have been literally designed to make you want them there are teams of scientists and marketing professionals working really hard to make sure that you over desire these foods I actually think that it's criminal like it's disgusting the way that this works but anyway we'll leave like that aside as you were growing up, like as you were, you know, a young child, you know, so go back to the time where you were born, you weren't over desiring it. And then you started to grow up. Your brain learned about these foods. It learned about chocolate. It learned about ice cream and lollies and cake and pizza. And as it was learning about them, it grew desire for them. So the desire came partly because they are energy dense. And so like these kinds of foods, um, these energy dense foods are I think of them as survival foods for your brain. Like your brain is actually designed, your brain is designed to want them because to your brain, if you think about us, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, we were designed to survive. And so energy dense foods meant survival. So you're, this old part of your brain um, is sort of created to want these foods. But it's not only this. It's not only that they're energy dense and your brain and that your brain sees them as survival. It's because of what we learn about these foods as we're growing up. So, I mean, Easter's just been, this is it's Easter Monday. And if you think about like Easter eggs, it feels exciting to add a treasure hunt to your Easter eggs. They're brightly colored wrappers and they're sort of you know, they're shiny and they look golden and they look like treasure. And there's this magical story about how like, you know, you're going to go to sleep tonight and in the morning you're going to wake up and there's going to be chocolate everywhere and you're going to have to go and search for it. And it'll be like, you'll get a special little basket and cute little outfits. Of course, your brain learns to desire Easter eggs. If you associate cake with fun and excitement and the special treatment of birthdays. I mean, think about birthdays. There's music and all your friends are there and there's presents and it's smiling and laughing and dancing and it's a wonderful time. If you, like your brain is constantly learning about food, not just 
like it's energy dense and I'm going to survive, you know, I have a greater chance of survival if I eat this kind of food. What you're really learning is, oh my gosh, cake makes me feel amazing. Like cake is a good time. Food isn't just designed to taste desirable or I mean, not even designed, like it's not just desirable because it tastes good, but we also have learned, oh, it's fun, it's joyful, it means um, I'm loved. Like, you know, when my mum takes me out for cake, I feel really special. This is how she shows me she loves me. It's excitement, it's magic, it's, um, it's family, it's, you know, being put on a pedestal and treated specially. This is all the stuff your brain is learning around food. So this is where the over-desire comes from. If you're over-desiring food, it's not actually you. It's your brain that's over-desiring it. Okay, I want you to get that. You, as a person, don't want it. Your brain has like learned that it wants this kind of food. Your brain has learned to want it over years and years of training and learning and cultural conditioning. You know, whatever particular culture you grew up in, you know, if you're, um, oh, I'm going to get it completely wrong. But, you know, like I remember when I lived in France, there were certain foods that were different to their culture than we had in New Zealand culture growing up that, you know, they looked forward to at different times of year. Um, that really meant something to them. It was like, oh, you know, this is when we, um, I'm trying to remember, like there was the le gâteau de, de roi, like it was the cake of kings and it was like this apple kind of, apple pie kind of idea and in it it would have this little toy and if you like got the slice of cake with the toy in it, like it was like a little um, ceramic, I don't know, sort of, uh, ornament kind of thing then like you were the king and you got to wear the crown and all of this there's so much stuff like every culture has its own thing if you think about you know America there's um, pumpkin pie at autumn time I'm, I'm probably like getting this really wrong what do we have in New Zealand um, I don't know ice cream sundaes oh, we have like pavlova at Christmas or um, some people like really go for trifle like there's specific things even within your own family everybody's culture has its own thing and this is what your brain learns this is cultural conditioning so you don't want it your brain does and only because it has learned to want it you weren't born with this desire you weren't born with over desire so you weren't taught to over desire carrots or broccoli you've actually been taught the opposite like if you think, well, maybe you, but maybe you haven't. But I remember when I was growing up, like, eat your vegetables and then you can have dessert, which essentially was my parents saying, like, if you eat this crap that you don't want to eat, I'm going to give you something better. <laughs> and that's what my brain learned. Like, this is the crappy food that you have to eat before you can get to the good stuff. So think about it for yourself. Think about all the ways you've learned to over-desire food. Think about how this learning really happened in your family think about how you reinforce it for yourself now as an adult like just go over those things in your mind notice where the learning is um think about like 
like mothers, like I really caught myself doing this as a young mum. Like if my child hurt themselves, like if they skin their knee in the park or something, I would kind of be like, oh, it's okay. We can stop and get an ice cream on the way home to kind of detract them out of that crying phase. Or like, I mean, I'm going to bring up Easter again because we've just had it. Like the rules don't apply. You're never allowed chocolate for breakfast except today when you're going to hunt in the garden and you're going to find copious amounts of chocolate and then you're going to eat it until you feel sick. So we're really taught to over-desire food. I've kind of hammered that home now, I reckon. So just like you've learned to over-desire it, you can learn to stop wanting it so much. And this is hard work. Learning to stop wanting it is hard work. So most people try to stop wanting it by not eating it. Like, okay, I'm going to just say no to chocolate. And they focus all their attention and energy on not having it. So like I said, like let's use kind of, um, let's use chocolate for an example. So if you decide, okay, I'm not going to eat chocolate or you like, you tell yourself, I'm just not going to have it. I can't have it. Your brain in that moment isn't learning anything. If you just stop eating the food, your brain still has this in your pathway that says, I love chocolate. It's amazing. It's a special treat. It's delicious. Um, I love it. It's what we do at Easter. It's um, it's really good. I want some. I don't want to miss out. I know it's going to be good. Your brain still has that learned pattern within it. It still wants it. The desire is still there. You're just saying no to it. So what we really want to do is teach your brain a new trick. We want to teach your brain how to stop wanting it. So it's not something that we just like do and it's done. It's not a one and done situation. This is like, you know, think about how many handstands you might have to do before you can handstand straight up and down for 30 seconds without falling over. Or how, um, you know, like if you're teaching a child to read, how long that process takes. Or if you're learning to surf, like how repetitive that process is. At first, you're going to suck at it and it will feel frustrating and hard and you'll think this is never, ever going to work. <laughs> and I'm never, you know, I'm always going to desire cream eggs or I'm always going to desire toffee pops or I'm always going to desire ice cream. Like, who are these people who don't desire ice cream? That's just crazy. I'm never going to get the hang of this. But the practice is to stick with it even when it's hard, even when it feels like it doesn't, it's not working, even when it feels like you don't want to and you feel like you're drowning and you feel like you just want to quit and give up and everybody's laughing at you. You have to practice not desiring food because you've practiced desiring food so much in your life. You have to practice not desiring it. And this is very different to saying, no, I'm not going to have it. Practicing not desiring food is different to just saying no to it. So there are a lot of different things you can do, but today I'm going to give you one thing that you can do. So I know this is going to seem overly simple and it might be so simple that you overlook it, that you think, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's not going to work. That's stupid. So I know that a lot of people will think that it's so like, you know, it's, it's too simple and they're not going to do it, but I'm putting this down for like as an experiment like what if you tried it for one week like what have you got to lose like the like you could you can you're only going to lose a week and that'll be it so what I'm going to introduce you to today is the pause which is learning how to stop like if you want to stop over desiring food 
the first thing you're going to have to do is see all the moments that you're over desiring it so to build into the pause the first thing we need to do is spot the moments that you are over desiring food spot the moment that your brain wants to eat food and your body isn't hungry so when does your brain say i'll just have one you deserve it it's a treat doesn't count who cares it doesn't matter I'll just try some everyone else is having some I want it hurry up and eat it I'm just going to have this one I'll start again on Monday identify these moments like really really spot them so when do you over desire food just see as I'm talking like can you think about a moment today when you over desired food and then this is where the pause comes in so most of the time when our brain starts talking like this when our brain says I want it I'll just have a bite I just need to taste it everyone else is having some this is when we jump into action we get off the couch and we walk into the kitchen and open up the fridge and get whatever it is we want we pull over at the gas station and grab something we um, I just saw this at the supermarket the other day you know I was about to pay and I saw this woman pick up a chocolate bar and put it on her thing and then she put it back and then she went and picked up another chocolate bar and put it on her thing you know it's the grabbing the chocolate chocolate bar in the supermarket checkout you know while you're waiting for your food it's saying oh it's Saturday night I'm just gonna you know it's the eating the like making the treat to eat while you're watching a movie or you're watching your favorite show so as soon as your brain has identified something she wants and she's whispered those words of desire into your brain like just have some it'll be nice then your body starts to take action so this is learned behavior this is learned desire and action and what we want to do to stop over desiring food is something different. We want to kind of interrupt that pattern. So instead of jumping into action, when we hear that sexy voice say, just have some, <laughs> we want to pause. Now, this is a lot harder than it sounds. Most of the time when you feel the desire to eat something, if you even remember to pause, chances are you won't want to do it. Your brain will just say something like, oh, you know, screw that. I'll do it next time. I can't be bothered. I don't want to pause right now. I haven't got time to do this. I just want to eat. Doing the pause is much easier said than done. So here's what I suggest. Set an intention. At the beginning of your day, get up, write it down on a post-it note or put it in your notes in your phone or your like whatever you used on your to-do list or whatever. Set the intention. Put it in your diary decide today I'm going to spot all the moments I desire food outside of my meals and when I spot that moment I'm going to take a breath and say to myself I'm just going to pause and what I really suggest is setting a timer for 60 seconds and I mean you can set it for longer if you want but 60 seconds is a really nice place to start because it's not too long we've all got 60 seconds in our life we've got 60 seconds to scroll on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is you do we've got 60 seconds to you know like stand there and wait for our coffee we've got 60 seconds to stare and look into the fridge so take 60 seconds and while you're pausing you're not pushing your desire away. You're not saying, no, I'm not going to have this. This is bad. I shouldn't. I know this isn't healthy. Um, I should get something different. We're not trying to push the desire away in this time. What we're doing in the 60 seconds is getting curious, looking at the food that you think or that your brain thinks that it's wanting and ask yourself, why does my brain want this? why does my brain want this like look at the food and get really curious and honest you know if you're looking at a piece of chocolate or a piece of cake 
Look at it as if you're looking at it for the very first time. Why do I want this? And I don't know is not an acceptable answer. So your brain will probably try to justify it. It'll say things like, oh, it's yummy. I just want to have something sweet. Um, It's been a long day. I really want it. Catch those and remind yourself you're not trying to stop yourself from eating. You're just taking a 60 second pause to find out why you want it. So if you're a little bit geeky like me, you might even keep notes on your phone or a notebook in the kitchen or um, some people like take pictures of their food and they like write a little note next to it. So, for example, like you might write down, um, I don't know, like chocolate brownie. Why do I want it? And you might write something like, well, it's cold and I want it to feel cozy. Or I want it because I really like chocolate and there wasn't any chocolate in the house. So this is what I wanted. Um, It's second best. I actually don't even want it. Uh, You might write down, I want to feel like I can eat anything and not gain weight. Like, I want to eat like a normal person. I want it because I'm tired. Write down why you want it. When the 60 second timer goes off, notice if you still want it as much. If you do, great, eat it. If you don't, don't eat it. Notice if your desire has gone up or down. Notice if you're just wanting to eat it for the sake of eating it. Or like, you know, that kind of like, oh, just put it on my mouth and get it done feeling like I just want to hurry this moment up. Oftentimes, um, once you've paused for 60 seconds, that desire to eat kind of feels separate from you. And it feels like it's not so controlling over you. So much of our behavior is on autopilot. That 60 second pause takes our brain out of autopilot. And when we start questioning ourselves we start to kind of wake up to what's actually in front of us. We like wake up and actually see the chocolate for what it is. Like, oh my gosh, it's just chocolate. Like rather than falling into that program that our brain is running, rather than acting on automatic pilot. So get really curious. Learning, like if you, learning to stop over-desiring food is part of this is like building in that pause. Like I'm just... Like I'm learning something new in this moment instead of taking immediate action when I feel this compelling feeling to go and get food, I'm going to pause instead. It's learning a new way to be with food rather than just following that impulse. It's learning about your desire. So, you know, if you're feeling a bit dubious about this, I want you to imagine what might be possible if you paused for 60 seconds every time you wanted food outside of a meal, every time you find yourself over desiring food so you know like if I went to the beach consistently every single day and surfed for an hour or you know practice surfing skills for an hour chances are I would learn to surf a lot more quickly than go for a couple of days don't go for a month go for a couple of days don't go for a month like it's consistency is what creates a new learn like it creates a new um helps you learn something new you know like children who go home and practice with their parents at night learn to read a lot more quickly than kids who only practice at school with their teacher for you know half an hour um like for me honestly learning French I couldn't just like walk out into the street and learn from listening to people I had to go to school like I went to school every single day and I listened to tapes and I had a teacher and I read books and I just about drove myself mental trying to learn this habit 
or learn this skill. So it's the same thing. It's consistency. How often can you do it? The more often you do it, you know, if you noticed over desire 20 times in a day and you practiced pausing 20 times in a day, you will learn the skill very quickly and you will learn to stop over desiring food a lot more quickly than if you, you know, do it once a day. So pausing is not the only thing to do Um, but it is the first step like I want food what's going on right here I'm just going to give myself 60 seconds before I take any action so can you commit to one week of pausing before you eat can you commit to setting your timer for 60 seconds and asking yourself why do I want this I mean if you knew that you could lose weight if you could lose the desire for food by doing this, would it be worth it to you? <sighs> All right, so that's what I've got for you today. I think it's like it's so simple that <laughs> so many people will not do it. But give it a try, give it a shot, see what happens. Like run an experiment on yourself and see. Like if you do it for a week and nothing changes, what have you lost? Nothing. If you do it for a week and everything changes and you've lost the desire for chocolate or you've lost the desire even for one particular food like a a flake bar or whatever else it is, then you are much further down the track than you were before. All right, lovelies. If you want to lose the over-desire for food and start losing weight in a way that's easy, without restriction and willpower, then there are a couple of things you can do, like I mentioned at the top of the call, and ways you can work with me. I've got my group coaching program, Crave, which um, has a few more spots left for this term coming up. And again, I work with clients one-to-one, and um, and I also have a bariatric program for women who have been through weight loss surgery. If you're feeling unsure, you don't know which option to choose, then I love offering free consults before you jump into anything, before you make any kind of choice about working with me. And this way you can really get a sense of, you know, what it's like to have a coach, what like, you know, if we gel, if I'm the right fit for you. So if you like this episode and you want to know more about how to lose weight, and you want to get the results that you want, you can email me, hello at katapanui.com. I'll drop this email in my show notes. If you want to book a free consult, email me, hello at katapanui.com. And all the rest of my details are on my website, www.katapanui.com. Have a lovely week, ladies, and um, enjoy building in that pause before you find, before you, before you eat something, when you notice that desire there. All right, have a great week. See you later.